Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As you drive out of York along the old Hull Road towards the A64, there's this sci-fi-themed petrol station. The roof is adorned with robots and aliens, and along the side, under the glowing sign declaring that it's open for 24 hours, it says, Inner Space Service Station. Until fairly recently, it had a banner hanging above that sign that said, The Last Stop in the Universe. It's themed that way because for miles and miles along the A64, you'll encounter nothing but road, cars, and the vast, seemingly endless reach of the Yorkshire Dales. It's an almost beautiful landscape, rugged but for the hard dark tarmac line running through it. In places, the rolling hills are dotted with white and black spectres of sheep. In others, small outcroppings of trees stand together like they're trying to shelter each other from the wind. For the most part, though, it's thick, coarse grasses, tangled shrubs and bright patches of heather. I remember when I was younger, the dales terrified me. My mother's aunt, her only living relative, lived over in Hull, so we'd drive that way out of the city a lot once we moved here. I had terrible car sickness as a kid, which really added to the horror of the experience. I'd sit there in queasy delirium, staring at what seemed to me then a vast, endless, desolate landscape. Nej and I drove out past the last stop in the universe at four in the morning on my birthday, out onto the motorway and into the rugged wilds beyond it. It's been, I think, three weeks since then. This is Not Quite Dead. Episode 18, 
honeysuckle and thorn. Nurses somewhere in the house, I think. But I'm not sure. He has this habit of lurking about very quietly, so I don't notice we've been in the room together until he speaks. He's so properly a vampire. (sighs) He'd be annoyed at me for saying that. He'd say, Alfie, you're a vampire too. He'd point out there's probably a way I should know that he was there before he speaks. He'd tell me it probably suggests some deficit or other in my capacity to be a vampire at all. As if I don't know that already. He's just such a vampire though. And this place is perfect for him. Or maybe it could be. You can't see the house from the road. We came off the motorway like we were driving into one of the small towns you can access from it, but turned again before we reached it. The road was only half there, made of dirt, mostly grown over. The car rocked violently over it, and it only got worse as we went. For a moment, I was even grateful that I wasn't human enough to feel carsick. It had started to rain, thick, heavy sheets sliding down the windshield, but Nej didn't turn on the wipers. I don't really remember what happened. I was still in that sort of weird, delirious stupor that comes over me whenever I drink from him. I didn't really register what was happening as he was shoving my limbs into clean clothes and shoving sunglasses on my face. He grabbed my drawers wholesale out of the chest and shoved them into the back of the car, just like that. He tapped my face like a cat. Come on, Alfie, he said. When I didn't respond, he slapped me harder, enough to make my ears ring. He pulled me up, took most of my weight across his shoulders, and took me outside to the car. He strapped me into the passenger seat, made sure my sunglasses were still on, and slammed the door shut. For most of the drive, I drifted in and out of consciousness, my face pressed up against the glass. I saw the last stop in the universe and then the rolling hills of the dales stretching on and on away from us. As we drove, I felt something tugging in the pit of my stomach. I don't know how I knew, but as soon as I felt it, I understood that we were getting further away from Casper. I panicked then thrashing, straining against the seatbelt. Nej spoke low and quickly, his gruff voice even and unfazed by my shouting and thrashing. I couldn't tell you exactly what he said. I was too stressed to really hear the words, but eventually it did make me calm enough to stop thrashing. It was such an intense... It is so intense still. It's... I know we're further from him now. I didn't realise that before, but I think this knot in my stomach. I think it's Casper, somehow. It's tying me to him. That has to be a good sign, right? If I can feel this way, if it hurts so much to move further from him, that has to mean he's okay. It has to mean he's alive. Casper said that he could feel what I felt after he'd drunk enough of my blood. I think that's what he... Yeah. That's definitely what he said. So maybe this is like that. Maybe I'm just too bad at being a vampire to tell what he's feeling exactly, but this not... It connects me to him somehow. I... It's hard to explain. After I calmed down, I started to notice a bit more about where we were. It was getting closer to dawn by then. After what felt like an age, Nej stopped the car. 
Without the engine's roar, the sound of the rain against the car's metal body was huge and menacing. The newly discovered knots inside of me ached. I felt like I'd been physically stretched. I was sweating through my clothes, but I didn't feel cold. I haven't at all since I turned, actually. Casper said it's only when it's so cold that you might freeze if you stay still too long that you notice the cold when you're a vampire. Otherwise, it's nothing. It will be strange in the winter to not see a cloud of mist in front of me when I breathe. Strange, isn't it, the things you take for granted? I still breathe now, but I feel no relief from it, if that makes sense. There are moments where that, in itself, is a kind of horror. Hyperventilating never really helps when you're panicking, of course, but at least it felt like something was happening. Now the mechanism is even more useless than it was before. At least that horrible plunging tightness in my chest doesn't happen anymore. After a while of sitting in the dark and the rain, I realised Nez was watching me. He had been for some time. He reached out and took the sunglasses off my face. Away from all the street lamps, I no longer needed them. Open the door, he said, and for some reason I just did. The rain blew into the car immediately. I could feel every drop of it on my skin, a bright point of cool contact. I could smell the cooling rubber of the car's tyres, the still hot metal parts of its guts beneath the hood. I could smell the dirt where we had disturbed it, warmer, richer than where it was only stirred by the rain. I could hear the grasses of the dales swaying. I could hear small disturbances in the earth, worms writhing their way towards the surface. Away from the city, the noise and the lights, the keenness I could feel everything with felt less frightening. The splotches of rain on my arm joined and ran across my skin, falling in fat droplets to the dirt. Though the knots inside of me ached and twisted, I felt a stillness in me I don't think I've ever felt before. Not just since I turned, but ever in my whole life. Nej spoke then, his voice a quiet purr I would not have been able to hear over the rain if I'd still been human. He said when he was young, the days were filled with pain and panic. He felt his senses pulling him in all directions. He woke up alone, naked and afraid. He doesn't remember much of that time, but he has this quiet nausea whenever he tries to recall it like a blanket over something else. He can't pull that feeling back entirely anymore, and he has no memory of whether he ever could, but he's frightened that beneath it is a quiet certainty that he killed his entire family. He doesn't know if that's true. He can no longer remember if this is a truth he once had an answer for. If he imagined this or if it's real. But sometimes when he sleeps, he sees faces which look almost like his own, streaked with blood, staring motionless from the ground. Nej opened his side of the car and climbed out, leaving the door gaping wide. He took off his t-shirt and stood with his face tilted up towards the sky. The rain pinned his hair back from his face, water shifting the colour from honey gold to dirty brass. The water caught along the lines of his shoulder blades and on thick twists of scars like pale ropes pressed into his skin. 
There were dozens of them, crisscrossed at uneven intersections. I don't remember how I got them, Nash said, quietly. I don't remember the pain. I said nothing. The rain continued to fall. Nash stood as still as if he'd been carved out of marble. Come with me, he said. We slammed the car door shut and walked a little further down the dirt road. I smelled the iron gate before we reached it, the rain stirring the rust and what few flecks of old paint remained. They were chained shut. I watched as Nej pressed his palm to the earth in several places near the pillars on either side of the gate. Ah, he said after a few moments. He drew his arm back and plunged it into the dirt, fast and smooth. I could smell his wintry blood mixed with the wet, fresh soil when he pulled it free, a large key between his fingers. He put the key in the lock on the chain, turned it, and nothing happened. Excusez-moi, he said, stooping slightly. The lines of his back and shoulders tensed as he took the chain in his hands and pulled the lock free, as though it were not made of thick metal. The chains clanked loudly to the ground. Nej went back for the car and he left me to wander through the gates by myself. Inside the walls, which were seven foot tall, the ground was wilder than beyond them. There were clearly old flower beds, huge rose bushes almost twice my height spilled onto the barely visible gravel driveway. Nettles quivered in the rain, drops clinging like dew to their leaves' fuzzy undersides. The house, a small manor, was covered in ivy. I could smell that it was pulling away the limestone underneath. Nobody had lived in that house for a long, long time. Nej said he used to pay a family from the nearby village to come and look in on it, but he forgot to send payments for a few years, and by the time he remembered again, the family line had ended. He was pretty sure he wasn't going to spend much time in Britain anyway. He said, get this, he said it was never the same after the Union, and he meant the fucking Union of the United Kingdom. But, yeah, anyway... I don't know much about architecture, but I'd say the house is from the 16th century or so, maybe? I'm not sure. From what I could gather, it was built for Nej as a gift, though why and from who, he didn't say. There's no running water or electricity, but it's watertight, mostly. Walking through it is like looking at the ruins of old splendour. You can see in places where it was once beautiful. There's cornicing and detail work on some of the ceilings, intricate woodworkings on the walls. There are huge old beds moulded. Strips of cloth turn the colour of dirt hang overhead. It's not ideal, Nurse said, but it'll do for a while. I've been sleeping in one of the old bedrooms. It's, well, it's gross, honestly. But, like Nurse says, it'll do, for now. I've been thinking about Casper a lot. Where he is. What he might be doing. The feeling of those knots inside of me hasn't really faded exactly. It's like I've got used to it. I feel like, I don't know, like maybe if I followed them, they'd take me to him. But I don't know how I'd go about sensing the direction other than just stumbling towards wherever made me hurt the least. I wonder if Cass can still feel what I'm feeling. If he knows I'm hurting. If he knows I'm a vampire too now. Maybe it... I don't... Maybe he has knots inside of him, too. Maybe they're tying us together across everything. I don't know. When I was still human, Cass said he could feel what I was feeling. He couldn't read my mind, but it was like 
you know, I wonder if it's to do with hormones. Like, somehow, once he'd drunk enough of my blood, even when I was far away, he could somehow sense the fluctuations. Uh, hormone secretions, a rush of cortisol. He couldn't tell apart real danger from a panic attack. I think that's it. I think that's how it works. You know, I think you could probably really easily test that mechanism without hurting the people too much. Just some adrenaline shots, cortisol shots, startle reflexes and... What is happening in my head right now? That's not a nonsense connection. That tracks. I think that's a good basis to design a study, actually. I don't feel like I'm thinking through mud. <laughs> what? What is... Huh. I... I think... I, some, sometimes I... I forgot what it felt like to be able to think straight. I've been... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't think it's probably hit me till now. I've been so... <laughs> I nearly died. I could have died in some important ways. My fucking God. I did. I, d I died. Holy shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't realise until we were out of the flat how much the whole place reeked of sickness. When Nudge took me to that club, everything was such an assault on me. I barely noticed. I just wanted to go home because it was quiet. The smell of someone slowly falling apart at the seams. The stench of my own death. But he said until he knew I could bite, he couldn't risk moving me. Maybe the change wasn't completed somehow. Anything too drastic, it might have killed me. Nesh says he's seen a slow change before. Someone who seems to have made it all the way through to the other side, and then, for whatever reason, they just stop. Most of them just die at that point. He's seen a couple go mad with the drive, though, an unresolvable bloodlust. He said he wondered if he'd left them alive, whether they'd have become like the execrable. That's what he calls the half-maid. There are so many possible fail points with this change. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if we understood more about the exact mechanisms behind it, then... Mon buddy? Oh. Hi. What are you doing in the cupboard? You are not hiding from me again. No, I just... I just wanted some time alone. You could have just gone into one of the other rooms. You do not need to hide in the furniture. I know, but... <sighs> At least I know you can't be lurking in here. There's no room. If you would only listen to your instincts, mon petit, you would not have so much trouble knowing where I am. I know, I just... What is it? Come on, say it out loud. <sighs> I don't know how... You do not need to know it. You just have to feel it. But I don't know how. Because you do not listen. You haven't explained. Mon petit, to yourself, not to me. These are not skills you acquire, you understand? They are things your body will just do, the same way that it's used to regulate your breathing. You can fine-tune this if you wish. You can become very good at this thing, but your baseline abilities are there, innate. You do not need to learn them. What if they're not? What if I'm defunct somehow? You said I'm defective. When did I say this? You say it all the time. My malfunctioning appetite. All that shit. All the time, Nesh. Do not blame me for the failures of a language. There are other ways you could have phrased it. Like what? Like, I don't know, literally anything that wasn't you just telling me that I'm broken. <sighs> Always you have this habit of making what I say out to be much worse than it is in your head. It's fine, I get it. You do not... I've been telling you the exact opposite of what you have been hearing. You are not broken, mon petit. Stop. 
calling me fucking mon petit. I'm not yours, and I'm not little. I'm not a child. Uh, you're extraordinarily frustrating. I only want to help. Sure. What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. No, out with it. Explain yourself. I just... It's hard to believe, okay? What is? That wanting to help me is the only reason you're doing this. Pardon-moi, mon chaleur, but what is it exactly that you think this is? I... 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 You sound more like a Casper every day. I have no patience for it. I will tolerate your incessant ramblings, but I will not allow you to wallow in self-pity in this way. It is unbecoming. Self-pity? I will, would you describe it? Reasonable trouble adjusting. You were not adjusting to anything when you started your little recordings, Monchala. You didn't have to listen to them. Nobody forced you. In fact, I wish you hadn't. Why? So you could act like you did not know that this was coming? That you are going into this blind like most people? Have you spared a thought for a moment on how much of an advantage you have coming into this life knowing it exists? The first time most of us realise our vampires are real are the night we wake up as one. You knew for months, almost years. There is much to be thankful for. So what? I should just shut up and stop complaining? No, of course not. But you are at risk of falling into a bucket of your own bullshit because all you do is sit and stare at it. I haven't... I don't... Aren't you speaking into your little machine right now? Oh, shut up. Why? Because you don't like it when I point out obvious truths? What obvious truths are you supposedly pointing out to me, huh? You need to stop marinating in your own sorrows, mon frère. You are a vampire now. Nothing you do is going to change that. You are stuck like this. I know! <sighs> I know. <laughs> oh, mon coeur. Is it also horrible as that? I wish... What is it you wish? I don't know. You would be dead if you had not turned. There was no saving you as this. And I know you would not give up what happened between you and Casper. Whatever pain it causes you now. No, I wouldn't. We cannot change the past, mon petit. But we can change the future. And in your future, you are a vampire. I worry that you have not realized this. I, I have. I know. Intellectually, you know this, but in your heart I worry that you think this is something that will go away. It won't. Things will change. Your relationship to yourself, your vampirism, it will change, but, but it will be as long as you are. You and it are not separate. Yeah. You say this word, but I hear thousands of others hiding behind it. It is very frustrating. You are acting as though you do not trust me at all. Because I don't trust you. Why not? Is it because I am French? That is very unfair, you know. They hadn't even invented France when I was born. It's not my fault if... No, it's because I don't know you. Have I not been helping you? Did I not save your life? Yes, but you won't tell me what you're really doing here. Or how you know Casper. Or why we haven't gone to find him yet. I want to help. I need to be exactly sure what I'm dealing with before I try to break into that place. You know where Casper is. And you haven't told me. Of course I have not. You'll go to him immediately. And I know you are not ready to do that, for the simple reasons that if you were ready, you would not need me to tell you where sweet Casper has gone to. Why wouldn't you need to tell me? You are still not listening to your body. It is meant to serve you. It is an instrument. You need only to learn how to play it, and it will make beautiful music whenever you need it to. Yeah, your metaphors are really nice, but I still don't understand... There are some things only time and experience can teach you, Monchala. The problem is not really that you have no trust in me. It is that you have no trust in yourself. How, how the hell am I supposed to trust myself? I'm useless at this. I'm awful at it. You tell me all the time. I'm defective. 
Every defect stems from you denying what you are. You ignore your instincts in favor of what? Mumbling into a little machine? Why? Because it's terrifying. It is terrifying. You say I'm not separate from the vampire part of me, but, but I feel it. I feel separate. I feel like there's some kind of animal inside of me and I'm barely holding it back. You say I need to embrace what I am, but I don't want to be that animal that I feel. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be that animal. You have always been an animal, even before you were a vampire. You never ripped anybody's throat out by accident before, did you? No, but... You're awake, aren't you? Awake and alive, with all of your senses. You are angry, ravenous, yes, because your body is young. It is still healing from the violence visited upon you by the change. Every cell in every muscle remade. It is tiring, thirsty work, mon frère. You could drink half the city and still have my sympathy because I know. I understand how it is to hurt so much, to thirst so deeply that you think it will claim your own soul. But I promise you, it will not swallow you. You are not going to drown in this. I know this. How? Because I will not let you. How could I trust you? You do not have to, mon frère. I will help anyway. I just... I'm so bad at it. I am so bad at it. No, you're not. You are not dead. Do you know what an achievement that is in itself? Pretty low bar. And yet so many people do not pass it. So many people are six feet under it. Listen to me. It is different for everyone. This is just how it looks for you. Do you hear? You are not doing this badly. Many people have become vampires before, but this is the first time that it has been you, Monchala. You understand? But you yell at me all the time. Yes, because I have to. You would be dead if I had not yelled. But I'll let you feed from me, no? I guess. There is no need to guess. It is fact. No guess required. Anyway, I came to tell you I'm going into the city. You're leaving? Oui. You have not fed for an old day, Mohala. You must want for it. Oh, you fought it up. Do not worry, I will be back soon. Unless you would like to come with me this time. N- no. No, thank you. I'm sorry. You understand this loop between us cannot last forever, though, yes? The solution, it is temporary. Already I am weaker for it. I will not allow myself to wither for your sake, Monchala, precious though your life may be. No, no, I get it. I do. Bien. Nej, wait, I'll come with you. Not Quite Dead is written, performed and edited by Ava Major under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution licence. Support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Studios. Live... Laugh.